0: Hi, and welcome to episode three of Teaching Tuesdays. Today, I'm going to talk about some strategies that I've used in my classroom to build positive relationships with my students and ways you can do the same. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Teaching Tuesdays this week's episode is not going to be an interview. It's just going to be me kind of talking about some experiences that I've had and things that have worked for me Um, because part of the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is just to talk about practical things that I've actually seen work in the classroom versus reading an article by someone who may or may not spend time with students doing um, actual um, teaching. And so I think that today we're going to talk about building relationships, and that that is an important thing to start talking about now at the beginning of the school year so that we can actually spend the first week or two of school um, focusing on things that are going to set us up for success later on in the semester. So if you're new to teaching, you may not have heard a lot about building relationships, or even if you're not new to teaching, you may not have heard about this. Um, But we hear it in uh, my school and in my district quite a lot Talking about relationships and why it's important to build relationships with students. So, we hear that from administrators and from reading research, but I also hear um, discussions about relationships from students and other teachers. And so, that's one of the reasons that I think this is an important topic to talk about, and especially an important topic to understand if you're new in teaching and what the difference is between building a relationship and being friends with students, um, especially if you're new. And then understanding why building relationships is so important for students. So the first thing I kind of want to address, especially for my new teachers, especially for people who are young, is the difference between building relationships with students and being friends. And so this is something that I had a hard time with when I first started because I was almost standoffish from my students because I walked in the classroom at 22 and I had students who were, Four and five years younger than me, they were almost the same age as my little sister. And so, my first couple of years, I was I heard a lot about building relationships, but I was terrified of being ch- like being seen as like a friend or not being taken seriously. And so, I started out like almost too standoffish, almost kind of unfriendly to my students because I was afraid of getting too far the other direction. So I kind of overcorrected a little bit, and I think. Uh, some t- young teachers do the same thing or they go the opposite direction and they're like super friends with their students. So I'm still working on getting a good balance of that where um, I have, we have a good relationship, we understand each other, we can talk to each other, but I'm not your friend and I'm not this mean, horrible person who hates you. So I'm still working on getting good balance there because I'm still relatively young, I still understand a lot of the references my students make, we listen to some of the same music, not all of it, because some of this music is terrible, but we listen to some of the same music, my students, like, they're, I have these, I have a group of students who are obsessed with memes, and I love a good meme, and so we have a lot of those things in common still, and so building relationships is, in a way, a little bit easier for me, because i recognize a lot of those references, but again, I still have to be careful with making sure my students understand that I'm your teacher, I'm not your friend, I don't need any 16-17 year old friends. I didn't like 16-17 year olds all that much when I was that age, so we definitely don't need to be friends now, but we can have a congenial relationship, I can be interested in your life and what you like without being your best buddy. Um, So that's an important distinction to make, like I said, particularly for new teachers, especially if you're new and you're young, because um, when you first come out of college, high schoolers especially are not that far away from your age. Um, I assume that for people who teach middle school and elementary school, it's a little bit different because you're further away in age and further away in references and in understandings and that kind of thing. So I assume it's a little bit different, but this is just me speaking from a high school perspective that you do have to be careful to make sure that you understand that um, distinction between I'm the adult, you're not. So just to clarify, um, that is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about being best friends with your students. What I do wanna talk about is creating a kind of community culture and creating positive relationships with your students so that when they struggle or when they have a hard time with something in class, um, you guys have the relationship where you can help them to persevere and help them to push through their difficulties. And a lot of times that is easier if you have a good positive relationship with your students. It also helps with behavior. Students who like you and students who have a good relationship with you or at least respect you. Maybe they don't like you, but they respect you. Um, Their behavior is going to tend to be better. Um, and that's just kind of the um, understanding that we have in the education community that having a positive relationship is kind of that defense um, mechanism for classroom management. And you've all heard the saying that like a good defense is the best offense is a good defense. That's what it is. And so um, this is kind of the defensive mechanism of classroom management is building a strong, positive relationship at the beginning of the semester, the beginning of the year. So that you have that as a foundation to build your classroom management off of for the rest of the year. Um, And there's also that cheesy quote that we've all heard about how students don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But it does manifest itself, especially when students start to struggle, that they'll fight a little bit harder. They'll push a little bit more if you guys have a good relationship because it's easier to motivate them if you have a good relationship. I know classes wherein I've had a really positive relationship with the students. If it's if students started to struggle or if I was struggling or we were all struggling with whatever content or I was having a hard time teaching it or whatever, we worked through it together as a team much better if we had a positive relationship. Whereas if it was that very cold, standoffish that I started out as, I would just get frustrated when they were struggling and they would get frustrated and we couldn't talk to each other about it. And so Um, This becomes very important in classroom management and when students start to struggle. So um, some things, I just want to talk about some like practical strategies that I've worked on or that I've done over the past few years trying to build relationships with students. And again, this is not me speaking as some sort of expert. This is just kind of what I've seen and what I've seen work. So the first thing that I always focus on, and I'm not perfect at it, but I try my darndest, is names and pronunciations. So on that first day, we all have that terrified image of going through the roster and not knowing how to pronounce someone's name. So even though you're probably going to get it wrong, let's be honest, uh, learning and asking the student, how do you say your name is an important thing to go back to, not just continuing to say it incorrectly because our names are very personal and very important to a lot of us, especially um, in certain cultures, your name is very important or maybe it's your from your grandma or maybe it, a lot of people's name is very important to them. And so making sure that we take time to learn how to say students' names correctly is a uh, little thing that we can do that can mean a lot in the long run. Another thing as far as names are concerned is not being that person who says, I'm only going to call you by the name that's listed on like your legal first name. Um, a lot of people go by nicknames. I've had a student, like a transgender student, who wanted preferred to go by a different name. It didn't hurt anybody to call that student by that name. It didn't hurt me to call them a different name that was on my roster, but that student had had teachers in the past refuse to call them by the name that they preferred. And so understanding that little things like that, if you're going to pick a battle like That's that simple, that early in the year, you're setting yourself up for a very difficult road because somebody's name is important to them. And so you're already setting up this negative, like, no, I'm not going to call you by the name that you prefer. I'm only going to call you by your legal name. It's not hurting anyone for you to call them by the name they prefer. It's not hurting you to call them a nickname or anything like that. Whatever your personal beliefs about their name or their nickname are, um, you need to think about. someone refused to call you by the name that you prefer to go by it would be a difficult situation for you as well so focusing on saying names correctly and calling students by the names that they prefer to go by makes things a lot easier the next thing um, is meaningful get to know you activities so some sort of activity where uh, students say some things about themselves so it doesn't have to be anything deep But talking about something other than their name and their grade, but like their extracurriculars or things that they like, music they like to listen to, movies they like to watch, that kind of thing is a way to have something that you can go back to when you're talking to students. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, And sometimes it helps to make those like related to content because then it gives you a little bit of a headway into like what you're learning. So like I've seen people who write, um, they wrote math problems about things that they were interested in, or they, like we do a body biography, which I actually stole from English, but it's hot, like all the different parts of the body have something about them assigned to them, and so it's a little bit biology related, but also getting to know the students as well. Another hint that I would give is to actually participate in those get-to-know-you activities, um, and this kind of is where you're, you're making that distinction where you're between teacher and student. So like, I'm not going to tell you all the deep, dark secrets of my life, but it doesn't hurt me and doesn't undermine my my position as your teacher to tell you that I like to read books or that I like to knit or whatever. I don't actually like to knit, but you get the point. Building, like having students know things that you're interested in and know some things about you humanizes you to them just as much as the opposite works. So like if you're open with students about like yourself as a person just a little bit, then that they don't think you sleep in a cot in the back of your room and you're this regular person you just happen to be their teacher also so and again that's a little bit different based on the age of your students and all that but um, can't hurt to participate in those get to know you activities and let them learn some things about you and yourself and it seems like a no-brainer but I see this happen where students and teachers don't know each other on a collegial basis and so it's hard for them when they're trying to have conversations or when somebody's struggling or when people are having difficulties to have a conversation because you don't know anything about each other. So I think that getting to know each other seems really like a no-brainer but it does happen where that doesn't occur and so it's just something to think about. The next thing I would think about is having conferences or conversations with students. This is one of the hardest things for me because I'm kind of an awkward person If you haven't gathered that yet, um, especially in like one-on-one conversations, I'm a bit awkward. And so I have a hard time talking to students on a one-on-one basis unless we already know each other or they're super chatty, super uh, outgoing. And so knowing some things about the student from these get to know you activities uh, helps me in these conferences when I talk to students for a few minutes about themselves and then maybe talk about some kind of assignment they did, it helps me to start the conversation a little bit by knowing, oh, so this kid, this student likes video games or this student is from a different state or something like that. We can kind of bond on some level um, and just coming up with ways to make connections with students because they're not going to naturally do that with us as much, I don't think. Um, students tend to be kind of standoffish, at least in my experience, unless you're making those connections and helping them out with that just a little bit. So another thing that I've tried and has had mixed results is sending home like a questionnaire to the uh, parents or guardians of my students. So I did this last spring for the first time and I got, I didn't have a lot of response. I think maybe half my class, the parents actually answered the questions. I made sure that I told them it was optional because I know they get a lot of paperwork at the beginning of the semester. But it was interesting because in the spring, because I'm, we're on a block schedule, I don't see parents in the spring. We don't have the big of, or we have an open house, but it's not very well attended. And so I don't always see parents and guardians at the beginning of the semester in the spring like I do in the fall when they come to pick up schedules and all that. And so I just had a couple of questions like, what are your students' strengths and struggles? Um, what, what hopes and dreams do you have for your student? That kind of stuff. Because it's interesting to see the kind of messages that they're getting at home, like parents who, if there's if the their perception of the student's strengths aligns with the students, that says one thing, versus if the student says they're good at something and the parent says that's a struggle for them, it's something interesting to think about and kind of how to approach that particular skill or that particular ability. It's also interesting to see what parents and guardians expect and hope for of their student, because you kind of hear a different or you, you, you understand students differently if you can kind of understand what kind of messages they're getting at home and what kind of pressure and what kind of motivation they're getting from their parents or guardians. Um, the last thing that I would mention is now that you've got this information, actually using it to build community. Um, so we actually take a couple of days at the beginning of the semester and do like team building or do activities that encourage a lot of collaboration really early on so that students have a chance to build community with each other. And then because these are really low risk activities that I don't have to do a whole lot of like monitoring as far as what they're learning because they're pretty simple and straightforward. I can actually talk to students and have conversations and it gives me a chance to build a community with them and it gives them a chance to work together and build a community in the classroom or activities like setting norms where you're coming up with a list of behaviors and this is how we're going to function as a class in here and coming up with that like classroom social contract that the students can sign and put their name to, like, this is what I say I'm going to do in this classroom, I think is important because it builds a lot of that community, whereas let's just, especially if you're new, sometimes you feel like you have to just jump right into teaching everything um where it's not going to hurt anyone to take a couple of days at the beginning of the semester but given your mandates and all that from your district um to really foster some community and foster some collaboration between you and the students and between uh the students themselves because sometimes they come into our classes not knowing each other sometimes they do so it kind of puts everybody on that same um playing field and then um and just another example of building community. So last semester, this past spring, I had a class of 10th grade boys who, it was not entirely boys, but it was like a little over half boys, and they were all into video games. It was a big video game thing, and because it was this past spring, it was all about Fortnite. That's all they want to talk about all the time, and so I like, came home and I looked up Fortnite and like tried to figure out what the freak it was to start with. And then I asked my husband who plays video games because I know nothing about them. I hate them. I'm not good at video games. It's not something that I've ever been able to do. And so I asked my husband, you know, is there something that I can talk about? Or is there some way I can incorporate this into class? And so figuring out what students are interested in and then incorporating it into class as much as possible, or at least being able to have a conversation about it really like, show students that we're interested in things that we're interested in, that they're interested in. And so it builds kind of a community as well um, so that you just have this positive atmosphere. And that, I think, in my experience, heads off a lot of the struggles that teachers, and especially that new teachers have, is just having that um, positive classroom atmosphere. And if you start there, you're setting yourself up in a really good spot. Whereas if you start with, here are the rules, here's how I'm going to be, let's go that whole concept of don't smile till December there is something said that you can start that you should probably start out strict and kind of relax as you go if you're going to relax but um I think there is a, a benefit to working to build community and also enforce your rules like there's no those two aren't mutually exclusive and I know when I first started I kind of thought they were like we can have fun or we can follow the rules we can't do both. And so learning that, yes, you can have fun and you can have a good positive atmosphere in your classroom while also being structured and having rules and having expectations that are followed, those are not like mutually exclusive things. So that's an important uh, distinction to make. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Teaching Tuesdays. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Teaching T U E S. Make sure if you have something you'd like to contribute or if you have uh, something that you want to share with the podcast world about excellent things you're doing in your classroom to send me an email at teachingtuesdays1 at gmail.com and if you are interested in more information about building relationships there will be some articles linked and some notes from this episode on the website and the episode notes on the website for this particular episode so that is bit.ly forward slash all the notes are on there So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Teaching Tuesdays and have a great week. Happy teaching and we'll see you next week.